when four o'clock rolled around, so it's five o'clock my time, when four o'clock rolled around, and actually about the 20 minutes leading up to four o'clock, I was making a very difficult decision. Which is whether to eat before recording or not. Yeah, I'm sorry. When I suggested seven, like an hour after that, I noticed that that's like <laughs> five o'clock. And I've noticed this a couple other times in the past where I suggest times that are most convenient for me, which happen to be like right after when I would be likely eating dinner. And yeah. then I think like, oh, that's right when Mark is probably wanting to eat dinner. Well, Oopsies. this is the thing, though. It's like I probably would have been fine if I decided not to eat. But yesterday, mm-hmm. I just I managed to somehow like I don't know. I so yesterday I went out in the morning, early afternoon, uh, to Balboa Park and just kind of hung out and read in some nice weather and stuff. And then when I drove home, I had every intention of like, oh, I'm gonna make myself a sandwich. And then I managed to just kind of forget to do that. And so by the time six o'clock rolled around. I was feeling very nauseous because I had not eaten since, like, I had had, like, a yogurt before leaving at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so I was just feeling very nauseous and very off, and it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of messed with me. So today I was saying to myself, I'm going to be very intentional about not doing this. Uh, and so I, I did better, but I was still just, I wasn't sure whether to eat because I didn't want to be, we were both in such a bad mood last week. <laughs> I didn't want to do that again. Uh, mm-hmm. And... But also, I didn't want to make myself sleepy, so I compromised and went to go get dinner, but then also had a Dr. Pepper. So we'll see how that affects my mood. (laughs) Okay. Because I don't have caffeine very frequently. Does does caffeine look good to you? I didn't hear that. Oh. Also, so, this first, okay. (laughs) I didn't have paper next to me, and I wanted to so, make sure just in case it was so loud and it fell. for the listener, Grant just typed into our show notes, <laughs> 1 minute and no! 43 seconds, Grant burped. So the two things is that I didn't notice, and the, the other thing is you that were talking. I'm the one who edits, and so if I notice anything happening while the other person is talking, I just mute it. I have automatically, I don't even need to listen for it, I just see it in the waveform, and I'll be like, oh, that doesn't belong there. I know you do it, but I wanted to be safe just in case. I know, I know. That's very nice of you, Grant. Like when you didn't notice that I was swearing. Well, I actually put a, a note in ago. the show notes. And the one where you... I deleted the comment, obviously. But where you said that you were swearing... I listened back to it over and over again. And while I can understand... I believe that you were swearing when you said you were. I could not hear the word. It sounded like you were saying something totally different. That Are you still, serious? That still worked. Yeah, because you kind of did not get a, a nice t- at the end of the word and just kind of faded off with like a like it made it sound like a totally different word that still actually worked. Okay. So I just didn't even bother bleeping it because it would have been more confusing because you were saying it under your breath more than anything. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, it was like while you were talking to. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. So it would have been more awkward to just have a bleep. Okay, right. I'll and... stop trying to be helpful then. Good. <laughs> Jeez. So I've been, <laughs> I've been Mr. Listening, Diva over here. I've been listening to this podcast that 
existed from 2011 to 2012. And it's a mm-hmm. podcast called Hypercritical. And the tagline uh, is, nothing is so perfect that it can't be complained about. Yes. <laughs> Which is just, it's so fun. Ugh. That's how I feel like we are sometimes. Mm-hmm. Meh. Meh. It works. All right. We'll get more of that uh, today. I didn't check again. Who goes first? I think I go first this time. You should just leave the previous week's show notes in the show notes so that we can see who But a lot of the first. time now, I'm too lazy to even type first. I'll <laughs> type first if, if you won't just delete it. Maybe. And if you won't make fun of me for it. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I do go first, though. I was correct. My comment goes first. Okay. Oh, this is the other thing. So, uh, today, Grant and I are going to be playing a game that we have not discussed yet. And Grant doesn't know that we're playing Wait, it. And you, the we... listener, don't know that you're playing it. Grant kind of knows that we're playing it, but he doesn't know to what extent. It was Wait. His, it was his idea, but he doesn't know what exactly the game I'm thinking of is. So I'm hoping to win. <laughs> That's all <Wait>. I'm going to say. <laughs> I thought we were playing the game. We weren't even going to mention that we were playing the game. <laughs> I thought I was thinking that. I thought that's I decided, what we agreed no, on. Let's not do that. Let's see if that's way more funny, though. Let's see if Mikhail can figure out what the game is. And no, we need to is, cut all of this no, out. This is all I'm going to say about it. it. No, this is all I'm going to say about it. And then we won't even we won't respond to anything. Okay. We'll never mention it again on the podcast. And then we'll okay. see if Mikhail can figure out what the game was. Yeah, but. Okay, I'm I'm concerned now because you're making it sound like the game's different than the one I proposed. No, and no, it's I want to no, win. It's totally fine. And if you open up my comic, I think it'll be clear kind of what I'm getting at to try and win. Oh, are you cheating? I'm not cheating. Are you doing something lame. <laughs> I'm not cheating. <laughs> oh, I gotta turn it up to eleven now. Here we go. <laughs> what? Okay. Okay, should I just go with your comic? Yeah, that's how the podcast roll? works, Grant. Okay, I'll fight you. <laughs> I will buy a plane ticket, fly there, and fight you. I mean, that would be more uh, more social interaction, direct social interactions okay. I get with friends than normal, so that'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, that'd actually be kind of fun. <laughs> anyway, so... Mark's comic for this week is Frank and Ernest by... Thaves? Sure. I don't know. Um, and so, <clears throat> in the comic, there appear to be two men sitting at a table at what appears to be a glasses store. Um, there's a kind of a window in off to the left side with some frames on a rack and a sign that says optometrist. And one of the men sitting at the table appears to be a optometrist or at least a glasses salesman. And the other is a slightly older looking man with some glasses on. And he's saying to the optometrist guy, how do they look? To which the optometrist replies, great. How do they see? (laughs) So, Mark, why'd you choose this comic? <laughs> well, or wait, I can't tell you that. What? Are you not going to say that? Because if it relates to how you're trying to cheat at our game, what do you mean? I'm not cheating. 
What I don't know what you're doing, but it's something <laughs> sketchy. <I don't... laughs> well, my question was, I guess the more broad thing is. Oh, you're... I hate you. <laughs> See, it took you this long? My God, Grant. That took me way too long. <laughs> so you're a fellow who wears glasses. And I was just wondering, like, at, one po- at what point did you sort of lose your 2020 vision? And, like, I don't know. Like, did you grow up with glasses? Like, is that a thing that has, like, affected yeah. you? You know? Like, so... I- I'm not sure if our generation it's as big of a deal, but. Yeah, so. For me, I actually didn't lose my 2020 vision until college. So I grew up without glasses. Um, and then in probably, I think it was the fall of 2016 was when I um, started noticing like problems. And so I went to the optometrist and he was like, yeah, bro, you got one eye that's still like 2020 or whatever. But then the other one's like, not that. <laughs> Clearly not that. <laughs> um, and so I got glasses because my eyes, one eye sucked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so growing up, I didn't have glasses. Both my parents had glasses all the way through, or still do. Um, and my sister got glasses in like elementary school or something and then started wearing contacts eventually sure but yeah so are yours just for because i know that i've like i've seen you with your glasses on and honestly i the fact that i'm asking you whether you had them growing up means that i didn't you know i really didn't know uh yeah but are they just for certain circumstances almost like reading glasses or are you also wearing contacts no, so, like, when I first got my glasses, um, they told me, like, for up-close stuff, I don't need them, but for, like, distance is kind of the only thing that I need glasses for. Um, okay, so the opposite of reading glasses. <laughs> yeah, opposite. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> uh, sure. But... Um, and so, like, they told me, you definitely don't need to wear them all the time, but I ended up wearing them, or I do wear them pretty much all the time, because the one problem I have is because, I think it's because my eyes are so different, um, when I switch between, I have a really hard time switching between not wearing glasses and wearing glasses, and I think it's a result of the fact, like, when you have one eye that sucks and one eye that's good, if you're not wearing glasses, your brain just learns to rely mostly on one of your eyes. Sure. And then when you're wearing glasses, like the lens corrects for that problem. So your brain's learning like, oh, I can interpret this information using both of these eyes fairly equally. Mm -hmm. And so like if I go for an entire day not wearing glasses, I can actually see like not that badly. But mm-hmm. if I'm wearing my glasses and then I take them off, I I can't see worth a darn. Sure. Like I I've got the vision of someone who's got like crap vision. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, it's the same sort of thing where, you know, when I went to go get my driver's test, I had to do the really not useful eye test, you know, that they make oh, you do. Yeah. Uh, That's stupid thing. Yeah, and it's just it's kind of the reverse of when they say, "Oh, cover your left eye." 
and you just need to sort of just kind of readjust slightly, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, hmm, that's interesting. Did you notice that, like, was it just, like, during a regular checkup that this happened, or had you actually noticed something where you kind of thought to yourself, oh, no? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd noticed, like, I would be walking across campus, and someone would say hi to me from, like, 30 paces away, and I'd be like, I can't tell who that is. Like, I can't tell at all who that person is. Man. Um, because they were just, like, kind of a blur. Sure. And so, like, not a complete blur, but, like, not good enough that I could make out distinct facial features and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I, so I thought my vision was, like, kind of bad. And so when I went in, I was like not expecting anything bad and i didn't know that my notice had i hadn't noticed that my eyes were so different mm-hmm. and so they had me like looking at this sign and he was like okay hey, cover up one eye and so i was first covering up my bad eye and so i was like reading through and i got all the way to like the 2020 vision line or whatever mm-hmm. it is and then like i tried the 2015 one but the 2015 one was way too hard and so i scored 2020 or whatever yeah and then he's like okay Switch 15, eyes. 20, I think, but is it case. fifteen twenty or twenty fifteen? Well, so this was. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. I was gonna. I was gonna. I don't know on how that, the, but just fin- just finish your story and then I'll works. talk about it. And so, oh, the thing, the important part I left out of this story is that it was I was reading the letters off like a TV screen where oh. he would just have up one line at a time. Okay. And so, I would say I could say like bigger or smaller if I thought I could read the line easy. So then I go to cover up my other eye, which is my good eye. Yeah. And I look up at the screen with it being up on the 2020 line. And I can't even tell that there's like text on the screen. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, the screen was just kind of gray. Sure. And I was like, uh, bigger, bigger. Oh no. And he like had to keep making the letters bigger. And I was like kind of freaking out inside. Because I had never noticed that one of my eyes sucked until, <laughs> until like just in that moment. And for a second, I was like, oh, he's pranking me. He just took the letters off the screen. <laughs> Poor Grant. <laughs> That's really funny. <sighs> but yeah. So I think where you were about to go, which is something I'm curious about because I know nothing about it. How does the whole like 2020 vision system work and how have well, I been messing it up repeatedly? Cause I'm sure I have. Well, so the two things that I was going to comment on first is I can explain how it works. Cause I learned that when I last got my vision tested probably four or five years ago. <laughs> so who knows what it's at now, but I think I'm fine for now. Uh, but my other comment, which we'll get to after I explain how it works, is where the 20 came from in the first place. Like, I'm not really sure how we decided on 20 feet to be like, this is what we're going to decide yeah. on. But so the way that it works is 2020 vision is obviously just, obviously just the baseline that they've decided is sort of typical average what we expect from humans. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you do, so you actually did say it right. So something like 2015 yes. is means that what you can see from 20 feet away, the quote-unquote average person needs to be 15 feet away to see. So that means you have better ranged vision. Okay. 
Okay, so I the last time I got measured, I got measured at 2013 vision. So what I could see from 20 feet away, or yeah, what I could see from 20 feet away, an average 2020 person would be have to be 13 feet away to see that. And so the reason that, I, you know, I looked into that because people will measure the vision. I don't know exactly how they measure the vision of animals, if they actually do some sort of legitimate testing or if they just do it based on the average measurements of you know looking at like the size of your eyeball they can figure out what how big of an image you can resolve you know that's probably part of it but i remember learning that a lot of birds of prey have somewhere around 22 vision so they can see it at the same detail like this is the whole thing it's like at the same detail level right Mm-hmm. They can be twenty feet away, and you would have to be two feet away to see the same thing. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Uh, so yeah, so that's how it works. Is that the lower the well? I'm sure you know Mikhail will fact check us, but this is from what's in my memory. The second number is you want like that being lower means that you can see from a further distance away at equivalent detail. Mm-hmm. You can resolve an image. Now, when people say that they can't see things up close as well, I'm not really sure how that's measured in the same way. Maybe the first number would have, like, I don't know exactly how it works. Yeah. Maybe that first number is changed because I think that if you were measured at, say, like, 2030 vision, that would still be, like, what you can see from 30 feet away. Or what you can see from 20 feet away, a normal person can see from 30 feet away. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that first number is always, like, the baseline for range. But maybe if you change that first number, it would sort of get flipped. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't really know how it works. So maybe, yeah, maybe that would make sense then. Something like 1320 vision would be, like... When you're 13 feet away, you just, I don't know exactly what it would be, but I don't know. But that's the thing. It's like, where did the 20 feet come from? I really don't know. Yeah, that's a... It seems very arbitrary. Yeah, and also, first of all, who decided who this magical, like, average 20-foot person is? Well, it's the same thing where, you know... It's just... It's, I it's hate the same arbitrary thing with, like, crap like that. IQ... IQ is a constantly changing metric. That doesn't mean yeah. that you, you can't compare IQ from now to 50 years ago because it's based on an average. Like mm-hmm. the whole point is that it's just 100 means that you're average for now. Yeah. And then, but then everything changes and, and it's all based on just like statistics of the few people who take these things. Yeah. And then also, okay, question about IQ test. Oh God. Is, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you know... But is the – so I know the 100 is the average, but then the deviation from the 100, is that also standardized? Like is plus or minus 10, plus or minus 1 standard deviation, then plus or minus like 20 is two standard deviations and so on and so forth? Uh, Probably not. Okay. It's probably on some weird semi-linear scale. Uh, okay. but Because this is the thing, is something like – yeah. I don't know, because I think that, hmm, if I remember correctly, and this is partially also knowledge, you know, things from, like, Forrest Gump, like, you <laughs> have to be, 
you don't have to go that far below 100 to be considered, like, mentally challenged in some way. Mm-hmm. But you have to go a bit further above 100. So I think, like, you need to get up to at least 130 to be qu- considered, quote-unquote, like, intelligent or genius level. But even then, like, things like Mensa, the stupid organization yeah. that's only for people I- with high... Are you okay if I Google it? Yeah, that's fine. I think it's like at least 160 or something like that. I don't know exactly. Um, Uh, I remember Mikhail and Jack and I took IQ tests at some point for our podcast like a couple years ago uh, as part of an episode on various personality tests. mm -hmm. And I think Jack and I both got, I think Jack won. He got a bit over 130 or he got... Close to 140, I think. I got a little over 130, and Mikhail got around 120 or something like that. Uh, but, you know, they don't... In those sorts of tests, if I remember, I'm sure it was somewhere between, like, 10 or 20 or, like, 25 questions, something like that, where an actual IQ test is probably... Like, you're working yeah, with a person one-on-one, really and they're really long, and you're doing lots of different types of puzzles instead of just doing a bunch of complete this sequence... Yeah. Which is what most online IQ tests are. Yeah. What doesn't fit? Like, okay, shut up. Like, this is very subjective. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, according to Wikipedia... Yeah. The way IQ tests were developed, it's supposed to be every 15 IQ points greater or less than 100 is one standard deviation. Every 15? Every 15. But it also notes that historically that's not always been the case. Yeah, and so what? Once you're above two standard deviate, like within two standard deviations of the mean is like ninety five percent of the population, right? Yep. So above one thirty so would be two point five percent yeah, of top the two population. and a half percent, which makes I guess that's reasonable. Hmm. Uh, oh, so so th- so now I'm looking at Mensa's Wikipedia page, and it depends on which IQ test you take. But the Stanford Binet intelligence scale yep. is the minimum requirement is a 132. Hmm. So basically you just need to be in that kind of genius level, more or less. Yeah. Hmm. How stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's existed they... since 1946. Really? I thought it was back yeah. in like the like twenties or something that they made it. Mensa or the IQ test? The IQ test. Oh, well, oh, I'm you were saying Mensa, Mensa, not IQ test. Yeah, the Mensa Mensa has existed for seventy two years. <laughs> okay, since nineteen forty six. What does it say? I'm trying. And of course, you have to make the only assumptions that you can make about population, which is that everything is normally distributed. Yeah, which is... Probably not true about... I don't know, like... I guess it's as good of an estimation as anything, but there has to be some some decent skewing one way or another. You'd think. I'm not even going to try to comment on it, because I feel like... (laughs) I mean, yes. I I don't know. Whatever. Oh, it says... Oh, interesting. Hmm. It says, according to Wikipedia, it's saying that raw scores on IQ tests have been on average rising by three points each decade since the start of the 20th century. 
So there you go. So then, you know, but they have to keep so, it yeah, you're right. It, right? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Well, yeah, I knew that it was increasing. Like, I knew that they always had to keep changing it because people, you know, say what you will, but the world is still getting smarter, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in some ways at least. Uh, but, mm. all right, I think we should move on. I think we have exhausted vision and IQ for now. Yeah. Can always get back to how smart we are later. Yeah. My IQ is twenty twenty mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many. And ways my to vision's a hundred and fifteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the. Well, actually, this isn't the same thing. But I'm still going to tell the joke because I like it. Good. Go for there it. There are two kinds of people in this world. Oh, Those I who can extrapolate joke. from incomplete data. I loathe this joke. Okay. I love it. Do okay. my po- do, do my comic now. Hey, we did pretty well. My comic was from 2007, and yours is from 2005. I know. That's pretty good. Normally, we're in like now the 20 <laughs> teens. Yeah, I know. I hate you, Grant. <laughs> uh, okay. Wait, you don't like my comic? Uh, no, you're fine. Uh, so Grant's comic. is Loose Parts by Dave Blazik, which I think is the most fun way to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's got an awesome so we name. Have, so we have a guy standing up in front of a table. At the table, this long table, there are three uh, regal-looking uh, gentlemen wearing suits with some coffee cups and... Some papers in front of them, scribbling a little bit, and the man in the middle is shown saying, via the caption underneath the comic, I'm sorry to inform you, Mr. Garber, but saying, you're all poopy whoopy heads, is not considered defending your thesis. (laughs) This reminds me of a... (laughs) Maybe I'll link it, maybe I'll be too lazy, but an XKCD comic... That the caption is, the best thesis defense is a good thesis offense. And it's just <laughs> someone, like, brandishing a sword and running at the, like, <laughs> the advisors. That's great. Yeah. Okay, why'd you pick this one, Grant? <laughs> so I primarily picked this one just because I was scrolling through funny comics, and this one made me laugh, and I could find a way to tie this into something actually interesting. Okay. And that's the concept of like defending your own ideas when you're not the expert. Hmm. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, because we're both young people in working in science, in STEM fields, where I feel like, at least for me, I have ideas that I have to express to people and I have to like, or I don't have to, but it's good for me to then argue my ideas and try to support them. But I'm doing this amongst people who are experts. Or at least 20 times more expert than I am. Yeah. And so I've just been thinking about kind of defending ideas and stuff and how to do that. Hmm. Mark, well, do you ever... Uh, hmm. Like, do you feel like this is something that you can comment on 
Is it something well, that you experience? I just, I don't know. I'm not sure if I think of it in the same way as sort of defending my ideas. I guess I can in some terms in what I do at work. There are times where I'm commenting on, you know, let's say, I don't know, just just some set of problems, you know, like the biggest thing, and this is, you know, this is going to be pretty specific that a lot of people probably won't care about, but let's say you have this collection of like 20 subtraction problems that you're trying to give to second graders, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you're trying to pick all the numbers. Well, how do you pick numbers that uh, sort of teach exactly what you want them to learn without adding in extra stuff, right? So you have to be very careful when you are selecting numbers Mm -hmm. that you're not just kind of being loosey-goosey. If they haven't learned how to subtract with, like, regrouping, you know, Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're subtracting more from the units digit than you actually have there. So you have to k- take Far away from the, from the 10. And yeah. yeah, like, right. So if they don't know that, you have to be very careful to not include that at any point until they learn it. Uh, mm-hmm. as, and, you know, and, and there are lots of times where this comes up where you're sort of then getting in these discussions of what's the best way to present something to these kids. And that's, I mean, that's definitely something that comes up a lot where I find myself uh, either needing to come up with thoughts because someone's asking me for them and then Mm -hmm. subsequently trying to, yeah, I guess defend them. Although Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it comes off in the same way. Uh, But in something more technical in math specifically, like when I'm posting on like, a help subreddit for math or posting uh, on the forums where I work. Hmm. I'm not sure. Cause a lot of the time I am sort of the authority figure in those cases. Mm-hmm. I am the moderator of a forum yeah. where I am the instructor and I am coming down from on high to help explain something. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while you get an insightful kid who, or a kid who just, you know, kind of uh, wants to, you know, in the best way, know exactly what you're trying to tell them and then you have to sort of re-explain yourself Uh, and I think that might be the best thing if you want to defend your idea is being able to explain it from multiple different perspectives taking into account who you're talking to right Mm -hmm. because like this is a very good example actually a couple weeks ago one kid was asking about uh, a big thing that something that we teach in a pre-algebra course that most kids are accept or don't care about, but a few kids, well, actually probably, I don't know, like I'd say like 20% of the kids maybe fight back against is Mm -hmm. that the number 0.9 repeating is Mm -hmm. equal to one. Yeah. Okay. And there's a number of ways to show that one is just, okay. One third is equal to 0.3 repeating multiply both sides by three. If you multiply that 0.3 repeating, you just get a bunch of 0.9s but one-third times three is equal to one, right? Yeah. And this kid was trying to explain with a poor idea of what probability is why they think that this might not be true, so I had to kind of come from the perspective of this kid doesn't know much about probability. They're just trying to use their intuition, so I need to try and 
reformat their intuition to understand how exactly we do this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and so being able to sort of put yourself in their shoes and not sort of over-explain, I think, yeah. is very helpful. Yeah. Wow. That's a great example. Well, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome, Mark. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I, this When I was reading this comic, all I thought was, man, I am so glad I did not do, like, top-level <laughs> honors in college because I didn't have to defend my thesis to anybody. Mm-hmm. I just had to write it, and my <clears throat> advisor just had to sign a sheet of paper saying, yep, looks good. And then I had to give a brief presentation that about 10 people were at and nobody cared about. Yeah. You, know? you only had, like, 10 people? Aww. Yeah, 10 people, about 20 minutes, just standing on a blackboard attempting to explain this, uh, these 70 pages that I had written. <laughs> you had to write 70 pages? I didn't Holy have cow. to, but that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Just the nature of what I was doing. Uh, and when my thesis advisor and I were talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, like, he was like, because he had never done a th- an honors thesis. Like he's a mm-hmm. he's an like he's a fairly new professor. He had done one other undergraduate research project, but it was just like a as a as a course, not for like a yeah. thesis sort of a thing. And so he didn't know what the expectations were. So I had to go into the honors. This is the thing. The only way that you can look at the stupid honors thesis is on a really old computer in the honors office where you have to sign in, and then you get like. 15 or 20 minutes to just sit there and look at these things and then just leave. (laughs) Like they're all technically available, but not in an accessible way, you know? Yeah. So I go in there and I'm looking at these math papers and most of them, I would say go between 15 or 20 or 25 pages, right? They're not Mm-hmm. Like they're a good deal. Like they have a good introduction, and then there's just kind of the main results. Some people did, you know, some people who did kind of legitimate research actually tended to have shorter theses mm-hmm. because it was just like this is the brief ba- brief background, and this is ultimately just a summary of what I did, and it's like ten pages. And others were, oh, like I did, you know, maybe like applied research, uh, which has more figures or just a couple of other things, or. I just kind of re- I researched this topic but did not do a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what I did, and it's like 30 pages. And so what I did, I did something more along those second lines where I was consolidating resources from the main thing that we were looking at was this 100-page introduction to a topic in quantum mechanics that left a lot to be desired in terms of details. Mm-hmm. And I was filling in those details from the perspective of an undergraduate who wanted other undergraduates with similar background to me to be able to sort of build up from the ground up. Okay. Like, so from like, the beginning, it was like, this is what this is what I expect your background to be, and let's go. Like, I'll present the proofs. I'll drag you along with me. I, it was m- almost just a journal of my own experience, mm-hmm. doing like learning about this topic. <laughs> But then reformatted in a way that was like about a 70-page kind of couple of textbook chapters sort of a thing. Yeah. Condensing everything down to a more readable, intuitive way of doing things, but also with a lot of good uh, like undergraduate-level proofs that the author did not provide or were not really provided anywhere. Mm-hmm. So. So you took something complicated and 
difficult for a 20-something to understand and wrote it as a 20-something for 20-somethings. Yeah, that was the idea, <laughs> you know, nice. at least. Uh, but yeah, so but because of that, you know, it, it, it ballooned pretty quickly, but that was fine. Like, I wanted to do something that I could be proud of mm-hmm. that would be of a significant length. And, like, there is a... Actually, I remember there were... When it started getting into crunch time, almost all of first semester was just learning the basics of quantum mechanics out of a like intro <laughs> undergrad level quantum mechanics book. Mm-hmm. And then second semester was like, okay, you've learned the very basics of quantum. Like, let's now go to this at least graduate level, if not a little bit higher paper, and let's just hack through it and learn everything that we can. Mm-hmm. And I made it through that, and then by the time I was kind of writing up some things as I was going along, but then there were about two weeks where I had to write like 20 or 30 pages each week. Ooh. Like I would just sit down. I remember one one Sunday night, I definitely wrote eight or nine pages just in a sitting. Dang. Because uh, that was just kind of how I, how I needed to get it done. But it was really, you know, it was very... Uh, it was very fulfilling. I'm glad that I did it. And I ended up going through the effort of getting it printed as a book, like a small book. I reformatted because I had to I had to submit it as a double spaced 12, you know, uh, yeah. 12 point font times new Roman boring stack of papers. Mm-hmm. And I tried getting them to print it at the university printing stuff, but all they did was just print it on nice paper, and they didn't even bother to double-side it. Yeah. So I just had this stack of thick 70 pages of paper that didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, w- instead I went to a self-publishing company that I had done a couple things with because I knew that I could do this. You can create a book with them, set it to private, and order yourself a proof copy for like $4. <laughs> oh wow it only cost you like four bucks cost me four dollars versus it cost me 30 to print it at the university i was gonna say i would have expected it to cost like 20 30 maybe even like 40 or 50 bucks yeah so i so i uh created a cover for it i reformatted the entire book to be the size of a kind of a paperback book like a six inches by nine inches sort of a thing reformatted everything changed the font like made it the sort of uh, ragged um, where the left-hand page has a big margin on the left side and the right-hand page has a big margin on the right side. Mm-hmm. Like, I did all that stuff. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah, got it sent off and printed for like $4. It was great. Neat. And then the day that I got it, I started reading through the introduction and found a typo. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I wrote mathematically instead of mathematical at one point. <laughs> Oh, that's not I'm even... Like, I know, but I noticed it, and it was on page two of this thing that I just finished writing. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that was awful, but yeah. Well, very long story short, I'm very happy that I did not have to defend it in front of anybody. I just had to give the short presentation and not freak out about it too much. Mm-hmm. Also, I only saw one other person's presentation the one who went right before me, and she did a very good job. I did not do a very good job, but then I left, and I didn't watch any other, so I didn't have to worry about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, man. Did you have to, because I know that you did, obviously, research all throughout undergrad, but did you mm-hmm. do more formal write-ups and stuff? Was that a part of something you had to do as a senior? Yeah, so we had, like, a 
a senior project or like a like a senior paper, which was essentially a thesis, but no one called it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that on the research that I'd done throughout my time in an undergrad. But yeah, ours. I don't have a nice looking copy of it. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even think to do that. It was yeah. just like. Because I I love the process of doing research and I love the research that I did, but mm-hmm. by the time we were getting to the end of things, it was just like things were going wrong left and right, and I was just sure. kind of like, uh, "Get me out of here." Yeah, that's fair because that's the hard thing, and that's why I like math. Is well, a I love writing up nice looking math. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things to do, and the other nice thing is because there's such well done. Uh, software to do it for math changing the thing to a book took about five or ten minutes yeah for me it would just have had to change a couple of commands at the very beginning of the document and then say compile (laughs) and then fix things that were slightly out of place but that was about it versus yeah if you're doing it i don't know would you use word or something god awful like that yeah man i hate exactly what i used it was so terrible especially because LaTeX has a chemistry package oh. for creating chemical equations and figures specifically for chemistry. See, except we have to use a specific a specific chemical figure drawing oh, software. God. I would because we this had is to the do thing. it. I hate in... when they put such arbitrary restrictions on yep. things. You know, like that's so frustrating. Or it's the only way to get the exact right settings. Of course, of course, it is. And so it was. It's just silly and but when I was yeah. a I was a grader and when I was talking to other graders like I had a guy who actually graded for a class that I was in and we were friends at the time and he had told me that like yeah I know like I'd still grade yours technically but really mm-hmm. I'd use as, yours as a partial solution manual as well because the professor's solutions were very hard <laughs> to read <laughs> so I would mostly just read yours to get an idea of what should be happening and then go from there yeah <laughs> uh but when i was grading it was totally a thing that the one kid in the class that used microsoft word to type all of his homework <sighs> like i had such a strong bias against this person who i had never met <laughs> like it helps you so much to have nicely formatted homework it shouldn't but like people who had sloppy handwriting or who organized things poorly or who used word to type math <laughs> and didn't use the equation editor to do it yeah <laughs> Like, can you imagine that? Just seeing a bunch uh, of math typed out in more or less plain text, except it was made in a Word document? Yeah. Like, oh, it was this is so, so great. Bad. I'm just thinking right now back to... I'm, I'm not the type of person who has many arch enemies, but throughout college I had one person who I would maybe consider some level of arch enemy, and we took Quantum together, and he would always type up his homework in Word... And especially when, like, there was math, and it was all yeah. math. Yeah. And I'm just laughing about that. <laughs> yeah, I put in a lot of effort uh, beginning of junior year to learn law tech, like the back of my hand, to the point where I spent all of my topology course, I actually took all of the notes, typing them into a computer live during class. Wow. Because you can do that with law tech if you're a fast enough typer. Mm-hmm. Have I told? Have I talked about that on the podcast? How I take typing tests when I'm bored? Have I done that while we're recording? 
No. Uh, maybe. No, we definitely did because I asked you because I asked you to compete with me early in the con- early in the podcast. Yeah. And you refused to. Yeah, because I can good. probably only type like twenty words a minute because I suck, Mark. Okay. <laughs> I can type one hundred and twenty. On average. <laughs> All right. I think I think with that we're about done. We're at forty five minutes. So. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. That actually went fast. Normally, I feel like we're pushing it. Like we're like, I know. can we can we make it forty five minutes? Yeah, <laughs> this went well. <laughs> I feel like the game made it funner. It did. Alrighty. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna stopping. I'm gonna stop that because you said the word funner. <laughs> Everything's funner. More-